by the way, where are taxes today? Low. Low. Income taxes are the lowest they've been in how long? So the last couple of years, and I think maybe 2018, were three of the lowest tax years in terms of tax brackets in the history of the United States. Did you know that I have three really complicated relationships in my life? With me, myself, and I? Close. My relationship with money, my relationship with people, and my relationship with self. And they're all connected together because when my relationship with money got out of whack, it totally had an impact on those other relationships. That, my friend, is what we call having financial sobriety. So who are you? I'm Matthew Grishman. Who are you? Jim Gebhardt. And we're a couple of financial advisors trying to have an untraditional conversation about our favorite topic, money. I'm going to give you three guesses to figure out the best investment I have ever made in my entire life. Number one. Apple in 1979. Eh. Don't Didn't get Apple in 1979. Wish I did, but Mic I didn't. Microsoft in 84. Ooh, ooh. Nope. Not me. Sorry. No. My dad did. My dad got a hundred. Did I tell you Hank had a hundred shares of Microsoft on the IPO and he sold them 60 days later. Ouch. He made a fortune, Ouch! but not quite the fortune that it would be. It would be today if he yeah. held them. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad he sold them. Yeah. We, yeah, we might not we, be sitting here. <laughs> I was going to say we wouldn't be in this podcast yeah. studio if he We'd didn't. We'd be on your private island somewhere. We calculated it out once that it's somewhere around 20 some odd million bucks that it would have accumulated to with all the stock splits and appreciation and it was, was just a fantastic amount of money. Wow. Yeah. On 100 shares of Microsoft. On 100 shares of on Microsoft the on the IPO. Wow. So you got two wrong. So you got one more well, guess. Well, then it's got to be either, I got one more guess, but I'm going to give you three answers. It's okay. either Amazon, Google, or Tesla. And? <laughs> so the best investment you've ever made. And you didn't get it. So I'm not going to tell you right now. You're going to have to listen to the rest of the episode. But I will promise you. The best investment I ever made as a 27-year financial services professional is not going to be what you expected. So stick around, and let's get into it. We covered a lot of ground in the last episode. Yeah, a couple tangents, a couple uh, left, rights, and Two tree. down, not dead ends, but you know, lovely detours that we eventually, thanks to you, brought back to... Uh, the center line. Yeah, I'm good like that. Yeah. Yeah, you like to get, uh, especially when you're not caffeinated, you tend to go in wandery little places, and yeah, we get to bring you back. Amen. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, gosh, we did. We covered a lot, and this concept of pay yourself first and, and helping children see that example is something that can be very foundational at a very young age with that very first J-O-B, but what happens when our children get a little older, they get that first real J-O-B, and all of a sudden now, this invest in yourself bucket starts becoming a bit more meaningful. Now we have this opportunity to start talking to them about opportunities like investing in a 401k plan at work. A what? A what? What? Whoa. What? What? Yeah. What's it called? A 401k, Internal Revenue Code Section 401k, if you work for a private company. Okay. If you work for a publicly owned company like a municipality, they have retirement plans in the Internal Revenue Code that are under a different subsection. Of course they do. Subsection 403B. And? That's if you work for like a school district 
right. or a hospital. But let's say like uh, Terry on our team, her son Daniel is in the fire department here locally. If you work at a municipal level, there's another code in the Internal Revenue Handbook that governs their retirement plan, and that's code 457. So, okay, so these are all in the vernacular of a qualified retirement plan. Yeah, yeah. Like if you work, you're going to hear us talk about these things called 401ks, and, and what they could also include are these other types of plans based on the, the structure of your employer called 403Bs or 457 plans. So we're going to just lump them into the category of in. a 401k yeah. plan is synonymous with 403B, 457, right. ABC, XYZ. Every brand of facial tissue is Kleenex in my book. Understood. Got it. Right. But you buy them at Costco's. I do. And you can get either Kirkland Signature or you can get Kleenex. Oh. But either one I buy, I'm taking home a Kleenex. I see. And we buy Kirkland Signature brand. Oh. Because okay. it's, it's lesser. Gotcha. In price. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's so so let me send this over to you, Mr. Classically Trained Chef at Merrill Lynch. What is a 401k? A 401k is a qualified retirement plan where a it qualified who's he what Uh-huh. Which is in all of the lingo of financial services is a defined contribution plan. A defined contribution plan being the opposite of a pension. Right. So think of someone that you know, maybe a family member that had a pension. They got to a certain age and they all of a sudden had a stream of income for the rest of their life. Ah, yes. That is called a defined benefit plan. Well, that makes sense. If you think of the words, just think of the words. Uh, with a pension, you're defining the benefit. Correct. This is you are defining your contribution to the account. We don't know what the benefit's going to be. We don't know what the benefit's going to be because you also have the choice and control around how you would like those monies invested. So kind of another way to say what is a 401k is it's kind of a way to save money off the top of your paycheck, right? And that is the power of the product. That is the power of the 401k is that since it's through your employer, it's automatically, if you decide to contribute to the plan, and I'm putting the emphasis on these words intentionally, if you're going to contribute to the plan, mm -hmm. it's going to happen automatically. It's going to come off of your paycheck, every paycheck. Seamless. You won't even feel it. Won't even feel it. The first, in all of my years of doing this, the first 5 or 6% of your defined contribution, you won't even feel it because of the, the benefit of the fact that this is coming out, sorry to get complicated, pre-tax. So it's coming out off the top before any taxes are taken out. Yes. So, oh, wait a second. Remember last episode we talked about- Tacos? Well, after tacos. How was your taco, by the way? Oh, delicious. <laughs> You're dreaming about yes. your next taco? Yes. We talked about after tacos comes FICA taxes and income taxes. Right. So, so even though we're talking about paying ourselves first- we really weren't paying ourselves first because Uncle Sam and the IRS and the California State Franchise Board were all getting paid first. In this case— This when, comes out before that. Yeah, when your child actually has the opportunity to participate in a 401k— Or you. Oh. Well, and I mean, that's ultimately kind of the, the dual purpose of this conversation is— if you're not familiar with a 401k, I appreciate you helping define it. If you are familiar with a 401k, it's your familiarity with how you used your 401k at work to be able to show your child 
maybe with a little bit of time, what the power of having this automatic savings thing happen where you truly are paying yourself first because it comes out before any taxes come out. So we've moved our Lafayette office recently, right? Oh, thanks for the heads up. And in that process of packing up, <laughs> I came across all kinds of stuff. I'm a collector. Yeah, Beth tells me that I about wish, you. I wish Beth was in the studio today because she'd could, be laughing. She could rip on this one for a while. Well, I happened to come across my very first 401k statement. Of course you did. It was beautifully tucked away in a manila folder the way my father taught me. <laughs> and Thanks, I, Wes. And my father also taught me that it's always in pencil. What's always in pencil? The way you label the manila folder. Ah, because okay. when you're done with that folder, you can erase it and you can reuse it. Ah, they didn't have whiteout back then, They I didn't guess. have pens or label makers back then. Yeah. I find this, it was on green uh, paper. So I can only imagine the expense that was involved in printing my Aetna Glad I Met You 401k statement on green paper, but it was green paper, and it was my very first 401k statement for the quarter of October 1st, 1993. 23. Did you say 1923? Uh-huh. Through December 31st. Wow. And I put 400 and five, excuse me, $546 was the statement balance. I don't remember the, the exact amount of my contribution relative to any gain in the market at that time. But let's just say that account is a little bit bigger than that today. What a great tool you get to show Emily, Grace, Jack, and Grant. Now, to Beth's credit, I appreciate that I'm, a, I'm like a beginning uh, hoarder on stuff like this. Amateur? Amateur I, hoarder? I'm an amateur hoarder. Okay. Keep, now, keep practicing. And there are things like this that actually I kept that for all those years actually for that purpose. Yeah, one out of 20 things you've saved are going to be worth something one day. Not worth something in an economic sense. Right. Worth something in a... Non-economic sense. Let's talk about this. Yeah. and Experiential sense. So we need to, you know, I need to close the loop on that and actually sit down and show them the before and after. Right. Here's my first statement. Here's where it is today. Right. And let's just say there's a few more zeros. Yeah, but you're not supposed to show your children your money. We're taking a different approach on that. Oh, we are. Do tell. We, we are getting much more comfortable. Yeah. Sharing with the kids more along the lines of generally, 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 what we make, what we pay in tax, what we're saving for retirement. Oh, I got a, I got an idea. What it costs to operate the Gebhardt family. Absolutely. Holy schmoly. I thought you were going to say something different there. I was a, I was a treasurer for our, our local pool club a number of years ago. And, you know, when you're a member of any kind of a club, unless you are on the board and have some kind of executive function in, in the organization, you're just a member. You're just there to have a good time and enjoy the pool. And then I became the treasurer and saw we were spending $4,000 a month on utilities to heat the pool. Boy, did I have a different appreciation for the 82-degree water every time I jumped in it. Yeah. So what has come from the conversation of being a little bit more open kimono, as we like to say, with the family finances, is that there's a greater sense of awareness. Yeah. And there's a greater sense of appreciation for what it takes to operate the Gebhardt family. And while Beth and I make it look seamless and effortless— it ain't. Well, no, there's there's a lot of effort. I mean, you, look, it, it it's years and decades and decades of kind of old school thinking that with our money, we keep our cards close to us. We keep our, our lip buttoned and it's a private thing. 
That's so old school thinking. And what you and Beth are doing, what Amy and I are now doing is a very new school way of thinking where we become very open kimono about this. I mean, I, I don't mean to steal a little bit of intellectual capital from our friends who actually run the podcast new school. You, you know, you and I were guests on their podcast here recently, and, and I'm very proud to be able to borrow this concept and of new school. Candace and, and Meg, if you're listening, that was a delightful experience. We love what the new school is about. If you're a financial advisor listening to our show, you, or you have a family member that's a financial advisor, they need to check out the new school because their podcast is all about groundbreaking concepts in a very old school business. Yes. So there is our both with love and gratitude and shameless plug for our friends, Megan and Candace at the new school. And new school is spelled S-K-O-O-L. Not only is their thought process new school, but so is their spelling. I love, love it. it. So let's get back on, on 401ks here a little bit. So obviously it's our experience that we can help talk to our children about what this thing is. Now, I used to work for one of the biggest 401k providers in the country. Part of what the brainwashing of that organization was for people like me who worked there was all about how this, you know, taking money off the top, getting this deduction on our taxes or, or taking the money off the top and not paying taxes. And this whole idea of tax deferral is a really, really, really good thing. Slow down. Okay. We haven't talked about tax deferral. Oh. What are those fancy words? Well, it's this idea that we have pre-tax money coming out of the paycheck going into the 401k. Right. And then what happens? And then because of the structure of the 401k with this little internal revenue code, all of the growth that happens with that money. What is it growing in? Growing in whatever investments are available inside of that 401k. My employer picks those for me? Sometimes. Or you have the ability to pick them yourself. There yeah. Has, My smarty pants says, please pick them yourself. Yeah. yeah. There there are default options sure. that if you don't choose something, you're going to get stuck in one of these, you know, target series retirement funds. No, those that are, are better. Those are better than what they used to be. They you, are. You used to get stuffed in the, in in the, the money cash market, account. in the right. cash account. So at least they get your money working for you. But yes, please be more intentional with what different options are available to you in there. Talk to a local financial advisor. Get some help with this because it's meaningful money. Like you said, the first statement versus the current statement, there's a meaningful amount of money there. But this idea of tax deferral is that as this bakes in the oven, so to speak, and as this continues to grow every year and these investments are worth more money, they become worth more money in one of two ways. The actual value of the investment can grow over time as well as the investment itself can pay what's called a dividend. It can pay interest. It can pay this dividend that makes us more money. And as you take that growth and you take that dividend and you put it together... You get the eighth wonder of the world. You get the eighth wonder of the world, which is... Tacos. That's the seventh wonder of the Sorry. world. That would be compound interest, Bob. The magic of compound interest, this eighth wonder of the world, where this money continues to grow for us and compound upon itself. Well... Outside of a qualified retirement plan, you would get something in the mail on or around February 1st called a 1099, which is a statement that tells your tax preparer how much taxes you owe based on the growth you had on your investments or the dividends you had on your so investments. So you don't get one of these with you. That's, That's you one don't of the, get one of those with the 401k. That is the biggest benefit that we are sold, at least uh, 
as an insider in the industry, this idea that tax deferral puts this protective wrapper around our 401k. From tax. From tax now. Yes. Now, what happens when we take the money out of the 401k way, way down the road when we're retired? After the age of? 59 and a half. Years old. We can start taking money outside of this 401k for whatever we might need it for, and now we have to settle the tax bill. So we don't pay taxes. We get this benefit of the magic of compound interest that continues to grow for us all of these years without paying taxes, but then the day comes that you have to pay taxes. I think one of the best ways to think about this, and Beth and I love this concept, is the all-inclusive resort. You go to an all-inclusive resort, mm, and you have the time of your life because you don't have to. I mean, so we don't have to reach into your pocket. Well, and we've talked about you know kind of my conditions. It's summertime. There's people going on vacation. I define a vacation if I don't have keys, wallet, watch, or phone. Mm. And so the all-inclusive is lovely because I don't have a wallet. I don't have to pay every you know twist and turn on the nine-dollar orange juice or you know whatever it is because it's all-inclusive. To me, the 401k is a little bit like an all-inclusive because what isn't fun is when you go on an all-inclusive vacation. Yeah, paying the bill at the end. Is the credit card statement that you get. <laughs> exactly. Because well, you're like, oh, boy. And to me, the 401k is very much like that is you love, absolutely love the pre-tax part. Yes. You love seeing how the money, hopefully, if invested wisely over long periods of time, can grow. Doesn't yes. always grow. Yes. Doesn't always grow. But statistically, I think it would be fair to say it can grow over a long period of time. The compounding benefit of the interest from the growth, from your contribution, if you are fortunate enough to work for an employer, that also contributes to the plan on your behalf. Uh, sometimes that's called a match. Sometimes it's called safe harbor. These are details in the weeds. But all of that money starts to balloon over time. And it's like the greatest all-inclusive you've ever been to. Absolutely. Until? Until you have to pay the tax bill, until you get the credit card statement. Right. So slight addition to our conversation here, and this is in 2021. We have mostly come on the other side of the great pandemic, where in the United States, we have put somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to $8 trillion on the campfire in the way of additional like stimulus surplus, money. Sti stimulants, stimulus, stimulants. Hi, how are you? Yeah. Stimulus money. And you and I talk about this a lot because we're kind of goofy this way, is where do we think taxes are in the future? Do we think the, the probability of taxes in the future are higher or lower than today? Oh, if I'm, if I'm at a place a bet, if when I go to Las Vegas in November and there is some sports book that I can place a bet on this, I would take just about every financial resource I have leverage it to the hilt, and I would be betting on higher taxes in the future. Okay. So here we have something where we're putting money in pre-tax. We are at the all-inclusive resort for two, three, four decades. And by the way, where are taxes today? Low. Low. Income taxes are the lowest they've been in how long? So the last couple of years, and I think maybe 2018, were three of the lowest tax years in terms of tax brackets in the history of the United States. Okay, so so a couple two two hundred and almost fifty years. So we're saving taxes at a time when tax rates are at a virtual all time low. Yeah, 
and we're, then and then and we're, we're deferring those taxes. Yeah, because we're at the all-inclusive resort for two decades, three decades, four yeah. decades. Yeah. Imagine the bill. Now, at least when you go on vacation, the bill can't escalate on you. I mean, it escalates, but like once you get the bill, it can't keep going up because right. the bill's final. Right. Your tax that's rate's not, locked in. That's your tax. Thank you. Your tax rate's locked in. Not so much the case here with taxes that both are projected and in our humble experience in the in the business are likely to be up. So this question was posed to me a number of years ago, and it has I, I like I can't. It's one of those things I can't unsee. Yeah. But in this word, in this context, I can't unhear it. So it's just rattling in your brain forever. Constantly. Yeah. It's the old question of the farmer. Do you know this one? Oh yeah. Please. Would you rather be taxed, Mr. Farmer, Mrs. Farmer, on the seed or the harvest? I'll take seed, please. Seed so smaller. If you got a corn pipe in your mouth, just chew on that for a second, okay? <laughs> Do you want to get taxed on the seed or the harvest? And the dramatic pauses are there for you to also reflect and reflect on the thought process around, okay, I'm putting money in today at low tax rates. It's going to bake in the oven for a long time. Hopefully it grows. And then when I take it out, the taxes are going to be higher? Well, that doesn't seem to make a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, the benefit, there's a lot of benefits to a 401k. And I have been contributing to a 401k for decades. Yeah. But I will publicly say on the show that I have not been contributing to my 401k for over a decade. Ooh, do tell more. Because when I did the math on this concept of the seed or the harvest, it no longer made sense. I was no longer in a situation where adding to the pile and having it balloon to an even bigger number was going to make economic sense. Now, let me give this, let me give this in the example of a client I met with yesterday. Okay. This gentleman has worked for a construction company for 30 years. He has been working for 50 years. He started working in 1971. He is retiring this year. And we mentioned the word qualified, right? We have 401ks and 403bs and all that. He's going to have pushing $5 million. Wow. In qualified money. It's the most I've ever seen in my career. And I wanted to hug him and cry for him at the same time. So how, how old is he? 62. Have you done the math on how much of that $5 million will actually trickle into his pocket versus how much will be consumed by taxes? Well, what I what I did with him in the conversation was I said, let's let's round this to it was it wasn't quite five. It was like four, eight. But let's say it's five. And let's say we're not nearly as aggressive the next 10 years at, at 62. And sure, there's going to be required minimum distributions, and that's a graduate level show that we'll do one day. But there reaches a point where the government says, we want our money. You have to start you taking it. You have to start taking it. You have to start taking it Whether out. you need it or not. Right now, that's age 72. Let's say it doesn't double because we've talked about the rule of 72. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Oh, we are. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's say it goes from five to seven. Or five to eight. Five million to eight million in the next 10 years. Yeah. So that's, let's call it a five to six percent rate of yeah. return. He's retiring. We don't need to be wildly aggressive. Well, good news, bad news is you're probably going to be in the highest tax bracket for the rest of your life because of the minimum distributions that are going to come from this very large accumulated pile of money. Now, if somehow he was able to save that not in a 401k, there could be very little tax in his lifetime on that money. Right. And he may have had to pay some taxes on the seeds initially, but he won't be paying as much in taxes on the harvest because he has a little bit more control and nobody's forcing him to take it and spend it. Take it, right. That's that's the issue is that the, the bill comes and you now have to take something from it. 
So I love the 401k concept for the younger worker. Why is that? Because I'll, let, let me tell you, and before I, I know I just asked you why, I'm going to tell you why not before I get why from you. We were sold this concept of tax deferral, and the biggest beneficiary to tax deferral is A, the financial institution that gets to consume fees over all of those years, and the next biggest beneficiary is the IRS and the state taxing agency that gets anywhere from 35 to 60% of what you take out way down the road. So why would this make sense for somebody to do this now, a kid? We're, we're trying to teach parents how to teach their children about 401k, and I'm not sure 401k is the best thing for them to start saving it. I would argue that it is. Okay, do tell. Because of the premise of do you want the, uh, the gift of discipline or do you want the gift of, re- of regret? What do you mean? Discipline. I mean, I understand the whole idea of the pain of discipline versus the pain of regret, but how does it apply to this? In our last show, we talked about bankrate.com says that the average American, 60% of Americans do not have $600 for an unplanned expense. Right, right. There is something about the automated nature of how a 401k works that in the beginning years of your working life are worth it. Hmm. There will reach a point, in my opinion, where you have enough in that bucket. But in the beginning, the automated nature of how it just comes out of the top and it's pre-tax and because that's one of the foundational ways for people of our time and our generation to learn how to save. Now, granted, we're, we're trying to do our part here to lift the, the, bo- the anchor yeah, on was, the boat up a half an inch. I was going to say, I, I understand that the majority of people out there don't have the money to cover a $600 expense and that the automation makes it easier. But, I mean, what are we doing here? We're, I mean, we're trying to help people change behavior the way you and I have changed behavior because, I mean, we're not participating in a 401K from a standpoint of hanging our entire retirement on a 401K. You and I both have 401K accounts, but we're not contributing to them for this very reason, which requires us to manually figure out other ways to save for our future. And I mean, I I just I think that's something that we can help more people learn how to do and feel empowered to do on their own rather than letting the automation happen on a antiquated thing called tax deferral, which is just going to screw you in the end. I hear you. The discipline has to do with the age of 59 and a half and the forced savings mechanism of I can't touch the cookie jar. If I touch the cookie jar, if I touch the money in my 401k before I'm 59 and a half. It is painful. It is shocking when you get the bill for it. I had to do it in 2010 because we had tax bills after the 08 and cleaning up the mess that we were going through. Sure. And the shock of that, and that's the forced nature of it. That's why it works. It is automated and it is forced savings. What I am arguing passionately to the jury is that there reaches a point where you will have enough. Guilty. So I get... Could we start with this generation and have them do something in an automated way? Yeah, sure. But the discipline that it requires not to go into that money and touch it when you're 25, 7, 32, 4, 8, 40, 5? Whew. I get it. I, I totally get it. But there are other options. I'm just, I'm just going to push back on you and say that there are other options. There are other ways to automate that. That at but least how are you going to protect them from thyself? Something called a Roth IRA, maybe? Okay. Because you can't—I mean, there, there's a whole other concept out there 
you know, back in 1997, there was a tax bill. I mean, we get tax bills that every year it's like a new tax bill. But there, there are certain ones that are pretty momentous that I remember. In 1997, there was one that created this thing called a Roth IRA, which allows us to take after-tax money right. in the same kind of concept. Cool. But when it comes out on the other end, it's tax-free, and there's no required distribution age, unlike the regular IRA and the 401k. So, I mean, I think at least from a standpoint of teaching our children, and yes, I get it, there, there are lower contribution limits to a Roth IRA. We can only put, I think, what is it, this year, $5,500 is what you can put in a Roth IRA? I have an olive branch here to, to uh, mend, mend our little uh, tip. <laughs> Well, it'll don't be forget the Roth tacos. Don't forget the Roth well, 401k. And, and I was, I was going to go to that. I, no, I got there first. The, okay, thank you. Well, that's okay. You get to the finish line, we get to the finish line. We, we all win. I mean, th- but this idea of a Roth option, I mean, if, if first of all, if you in your own plan at work have a Roth 401k option, my suggestion would be to at least look at it, explore it, talk to your tax advisor, talk to your financial advisor. I know for me personally, if we ever decided at Gebhardt Group to do a Roth 401k, I would absolutely sure. start contributing to that plan. Sure, because the benefit is... I'm not getting a tax break today. There's no tax break today. At the lowest tax rates in it history. It still bakes in the oven. It penalizes me for touching it before 59 and a half. It most certainly does. But when I take it out, it's tax-free. That's correct. Now, there's all kinds of detail. By the way... What? I didn't think we were going to talk about a lot of money stuff on this show. Yeah, well, we're we're breaking the rules a little bit. I was supposed to ask, I was supposed to mention that to you because you're the one who was like adamant about we're not going to talk about money stuff on the show. Yeah, I mean that's like in and, our opening and yet, intro and everything. And yet here we are. Yeah, well, but it's relevant. It's it's relevant, and we're and we're challenging the conventional old school thinking about money of how you and I grew up. I mean, if if we were sitting here taking a page out of the playbook of how you were trained and how I was trained, we'd be touting the benefits of tax deferral and how you have to put all your money in these 401ks and pay all these egregious fees to these big institutions that manage these 401ks, but we're not doing that. I mean, money and how to save money, how to spend money, how to invest money is all part of being intentional with your money, and we've got to talk about this stuff. But where I think we're going to speak differently about this is we're going to challenge some of those old conventional beliefs that we've had and embrace more of this, again, Thanks to our friends at the New School who've given us this vernacular to really challenge conventional thinking and think about money in terms of like really individually thinking about this for a minute. Does tax deferral really make sense when you get outside of what's been sold to us all these years? Well, it does in the in the construct of a Roth vehicle. Yes. And God bless Senator Roth for either being the creator of the bill or backing the bill. The challenge I've seen in the practical sense with companies where we are their advisor on the 401k yeah. is it does become challenging to put in the same dollar amounts, right? So again, a Roth 401k is a defined contribution plan. You are defining your contribution into the plan. And when somebody's trying to put in, you know, six or eight or ten percent into a 401k, and now they're gonna put six or eight or ten percent into a Roth 401k. The discipline muscle that needs to very quickly develop is you got to put in the same dollar amount because when you run the math, it's not pretty. If you're not putting in the same dollar amount relative to the the, the traditional 401k, you don't end up with as a big a harvest in the end, but you do have the benefit of no income tax on those distributions, nor 
are you dictated to at what age do you have to start taking it out? Ab- absolutely. So I, I love the fact that we are having as practical a conversation in a in a new school way about topics that are very important and meaningful. Yeah. And, and hopefully this is a digestible conversation for people to be able to understand what these different things are, whether it be for them, whether it be for a loved one that is having their first job and having these things that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Because I still remember it was either my my boss, John, or my supervisor, Scott, that pounded me and almost like put the paper in front of me and said, fill this out and sign it. Put 8% in this box, put 100% in these boxes, make sure they add up to that, and yeah. sign it and hand it to Donna. Yeah. Well, he's a like, pro- oh, okay, yeah, I'm well, going to do it. Scott was a product of our industry, so he's going to bully you into fully funding this thing and doing this and doing that. And that was his job back then. That's all he knew. It was the old school way of thinking. Now, if you're if you are a parent that has been saving into one of these and you and your partner have been doing this for years and years and years, you may have what we refer to as enough or yeah. too much yeah. in this bucket. And it's a great conversation to have with your advisor or to go pull up a calculator online that looks at a required minimum distribution and you can do some basic projections. Well, and it's it's not unreasonable to think. I mean, let let's just talk some rough numbers here. And then I want to get back to how this applies to parents teaching their children. I mean, think about it. Is it reasonable to think that somebody who's been working for 25 years, a 50-year-old employee who makes a good income, is it reasonable to think that that's somebody who could have four or $500,000 saved in a 401k at that point in their life? I've seen it hundreds of times. All right. So then let's go back to our old friend, the rule of 72, right? The rule of 72, one of my favorite math formulas, this is like middle school math. It, it finally pays off. Another chapter in the book, right? Middle school math, it finally pays off. Rule of 72 tells us that if we take 72 divided by our rate of return, so 72 divided by a 7% rate of return tells us mathematically how long it's going to take to double that investment value. So if I'm 50 years old, and I've got a half a million dollars in a 401k plan, and I can earn 7% a year on that 401k plan going forward. Over the next 20 years, that means my money is going to double twice. In 10 years, my half a million is worth a million. In 10 more years, my million is worth two million. These aren't guaranteed, by the way. Of course not. This Uh, is conceptual. This is is conceptual, and it's math. It's math. But if I were to earn 7%, These are the outcomes of what I will expect my money to be worth. Gotcha. So now I'm 70 years old with a $2 million 401k, and I'm two years away from the IRS forcing me to make distributions. Right. Maybe you don't want to. At a 4% distribution, how much money is that? That would be $80,000 if you're doing the math at home. So if I look at my $80,000 I'm required to take from my 401k and any other potential income source I have. Don't forget Social Security. We talked about that last episode. And potentially a big Social Security check, I might very well be in a pretty good tax bracket at that point. So I have to ask myself. Forever. I have to ask myself, at this point in my life with a half a million dollars in a 401k plan, do I need to continue putting more into that plan just compounding my tax problem? Or are there other ways that I could potentially save that money, like in a Roth or potentially other ways? I mean, gosh, we could do a whole episode on just how we can use life insurance as a way to fund some tax-free money down the road. You know, we should do that. Ooh, that's a good idea. Let's put a bookmark in that for an episode 
to be continued at some point. But those are the those are the blind spots that you and I love to chew on. Those yes. are the things that we love to talk about with clients so that they're just not head down blindly following old school thinking. Old school thinking. Yes. And that's why we also do this podcast to be able to share these thoughts. Well, and I think even if your child, let's bring this full circle back and and start kind of wrapping up the episode here because I think we've beaten this 401k concept pretty good. The idea that even if your child with their employer doesn't have the Roth option on the 401k, I feel that it would make some sense to automate a savings plan, take them to their local brokerage or bank office and open up a Roth IRA account. They can put $5,500 a year into that Roth IRA, and you could set that up on an automatic distribution. Direct deposit goes from the employer to the child's bank account, and then you can automatically have that swept into the brokerage account of their choice and get that Roth IRA started. I love it. Love it. So we've talked about a lot. I think this idea of teach your children, we've got more to talk about because now that we've covered this whole concept of pay yourself first, what do we do with the rest of it? What happens now? We've got 10% potentially going into the pay yourself first bucket. We've got another 10% going into the rainy day fund. You know what I'm going to say. Well, save it. You're going to say it now? Yeah, I'm going to say it now. Okay, go ahead. You're going to plan an all-inclusive vacation. Of course we are. (laughs) And we'll talk about that all-inclusive vacation in the next couple of episodes of Financial Sobriety. But for now, my friend, it was a pleasure debating with you today. Loved it. That's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.